Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. Good morning. Thank you for joining us on Three Women Three Ways. We are the show that tackles some tough topics sometimes and sometimes encouraging topics. And I'm thinking that today's show is going to be uh, more encouraging than tough, that's for sure. We have with us Dr. Paula King. And Paula, is it okay if I call you Paula or would you prefer to be Dr. King? Sure. Okay, great. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for joining us. Now, I saw an article, and I believe it was in the uh, 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 Monitor on Psychology or Psychology Today, where I was introduced to who you were, and it was an article about using Eastern medicine in psychological situations, not just physical medicine. And that fascinated me, and I tracked you down, and here we are. So, uh, Dr. King, what brought you into the field of alternative medicine? Because you obviously have traditional credentials in psychology um, and a traditional education. So what interested you in alternative kinds of treatments when it comes to psychology especially? Well, thank you, Heather. Uh, It's great to be on your show And the article that you mentioned came out in the Monitor on Psychology, which is the professional magazine for um, psychologists in the United States. And so I was very honored to be a part of what they focus on. And very often that magazine focuses on folks in um, the psychology field, counseling field, who are in more unique positions and as you mentioned, you know, my, my credentials are very traditional. However, I have always been very interested in mind-body-spirit care, so really looking at holistic care. I worked for many, many years in a large practice in Phoenix, Arizona, and I'm now located in Grand Junction, Colorado, And when I came to Grand Junction, there wasn't as much of a focus on holistic care here. And so the practice that I initially joined was a very traditional uh, mental health clinic, which is fine. Nothing, you know, this isn't an either or. A lot of people talk about alternative care versus complementary care. I think of our care as being complementary care. It's complementary to allopathic or Western medicine, and it's also collaborative with allopathic and Western medicine. So we don't see ourselves as trying to be separate from them, but coming from that real holistic place of actually meeting together and paying attention to all of the aspects of a person's health and well-being and for me that has always been my interest why do we need alternative medicine what does it well, add again to the first co- complementary versus alternative i think alternative okay. me- alternative me- medicine is a misnomer it makes it sound like you can only do one or the other You can either do Western medicine or you can do complementary medicine rather than them working hand in hand. Um, I I think complementary medicine. Mm -hmm. Go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, well, I I think when when people think about complementary medicine, um, they think of it as something that they need to do when nothing in Western medicine works. And and sometimes that's true. Sometimes the folks who come to see us in our practice come because they have run the gamut of what Western medicine has to offer. And so they come to see us for second, third, fourth, fifth opinions of what could be helpful for them. 
So I think that when we first started, I don't know how many years ago, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, started being interested as as Americans in what we called at that point alternative medicine. I'll try to, to modify my, my use of the words here so that I'm more in keeping with what you ha- are, are talking about. Um, and we did see it as alternative medicine. It was something that when Western medicine failed, that's what we went to and with varying results. Um, and so now what you're telling me is that we're not seeing this as an alternative. We're seeing it as something to add to the mix. And I know even for myself, um, you know, I, I mean, I've had some health care recently, and, you know, the, the idea of adding massage, or I had an MRI, and the, the uh, technician said, what scents do you like? And I said, well, I love rosemary. And she said, okay. And as I was going through the that horrible little tunnel, you know, that makes you claustrophobic, I got this wonderful smell of rosemary, and it really did make a difference. And Mm -hmm. that's not something that we traditionally think of as, well, we don't really think of it as medicine, but we don't think of it as important. Medicine is serious. Medicine is hurt and painful and science. Um, And here we're adding nice smells. Is that what we're talking about when we're talking about complementary medicine that's a certainly a part of what we're talking about you know adding the the smell that you respond to emotionally from a a positive place from a a place that makes you feel good rather and and it helps diminish the anxiety so i think what we're seeing is a is a change in in traditional medicine where the emotions are much more honored as contributors to either us being more distressed and or us having more health and well-being that emotions play a big part hmm. um what other kinds i think what i was particularly interested in reading about your um particular background is what what added you what what made you include or start to learn more about the complementary modalities as you were pre- building your practice well it's been interesting i had an opportunity early in my career to work in the mind body connection field beginning 30 30 years ago and so working with things like imagery, for instance, where we're using imagery, our, our third natural language, to influence what happens in our body. And in studying imagery work, interactive imagery particularly, I was introduced to many, many folks, including people like Andy Weil and, and other folks who were using complementary modalities in order to influence health and well-being and so it began way back 30 years ago even prior to that working with a psychiatrist as the very first person that I worked with um, in a practice who had that mentality and that way of thinking about mental health care and that it wasn't simply medication-oriented, that there was so much more, and encourage patients even back then to have massage and do other things. So I was introduced to the ideas very early in my career. When we talk about physical health, it makes sense to me that, you know, okay, it takes my mind off the claustrophobia of phobia of the uh, MRI thing to smell something pleasant that I associate with. But that's physical. What does this have to do with psychology? Well, one of the things that's been most fascinating to me, particularly in the practice that I'm in now, and I've been in at Healing Horizons for seven years now. And prior to actually coming into a practice where I have an opportunity to integrate and to work directly with practitioners from all of these other modalities, I wasn't able to observe the efficacy of the integration of these modalities for folks who are dealing with depression, anxiety, bipolar disorders, 
PTSD. Um, when when I am able to convince often <laughs> the folks that I see to include acupuncture, homeopathy, massage, looking at nutrition, as well as the modalities that I bring, which is talk therapy, imagery work, you know, biofeedback, any number of modalities that I bring to the table, I see people getting better faster and staying well when they stay involved with the practices that they learn in our in our setting. Okay. Give me an example. If I'm coming to you, for example, we were talking off air about so many women, especially women who have experienced uh, um, domestic violence or intimate partner violence, um, suffer from PTSD and they don't even know it. It hasn't been diagnosed mm-hmm. because we tend to think of PTSD as something for war veterans. And a woman comes to you, she's suffering from something, and maybe you suspect that it's PTSD. First of all, how would you diagnose that? And then how would you approach her talking about a treatment plan that would include the complementary medicines? Okay. Um, You know, PTSD is a cluster of symptoms that often includes depression and anxiety, um, startle responses, a change in personality, a a person more withdrawn, um, includes that feeling of just not being safe in the world is often described, being fearful, um, just generalized fear can be a part of that. And so when a person comes in to see me, I do a pretty thorough intake with them. And one of the issues that I often talk about with them is just getting a history of any any kind of trauma in their life. And sometimes women, particularly who have experienced domestic violence, do not bring that up right away. It's not something that they come in and talk about right away. Usually they will come in because they're either depressed or anxiety or feeling anxious. Those are the two primary reasons that they will show up in my office. Um, and it's only after developing more of a relationship with someone that they often then feel safe enough to really talk about the domestic violence. It's a scary thing to talk about. And so to me, one of the most important parts of what I do in the beginning with anyone is develop that trusting relationship with them. And that happens by meeting them where they are, listening, you know, working with them with the issues that they bring in. And then over over some shorter period of time, usually, the domestic violence will come up. And then specific work for PTSD can include like EMDR, which some people may have heard about, the eye movement desensitization and reprocessing, and I can do EMDR. Oftentimes doing um, dialectical behavioral therapy, and we can talk a little bit more about that. It's about meaning and purpose as well as behavioral approaches to making changes in your life in terms of beliefs and, and attitudes. Um, emotional freedom technique, which you may have heard about, the EFT tapping, um, oh, yeah. can be helpful for folks suffering from PTSD. And then in addition to that, I will begin exploring with them how their symptoms are affecting them physically. You know, very often there is some kind of physical uh, issue that is coming along with. It can be irritable bowel syndrome for some women. It can be heart palpitations. Some women hide behind a lot of weight gain as a way of not interacting with the world fully. Um, 
other kinds of disease processes we can see in women who have suffered domestic violence. And so I'll begin to focus with them on how the experiences, the traumatic experiences that they've had are showing up in their physical body. And at that point, if I can get some buy-in from them that, yes, there is a physical component or more than one physical component to what's going on, then I can begin to encourage them to move out into the other modalities in our office. And things, you know, very often women will then join our three-month wellness programs. We actually create a very specific individualized wellness program for someone who wants to. So that's kind of the process. Does that answer that question, Heather? Well, kind of. Um, Do you find resistance to people? I mean, are there people out there who really think that traditional medicine is the only approach, or are most people open to a complementary approach? Um, You know, I would say that folks who come into our office, into our clinic, have some openness generally because they show up in our clinic. It just in general across the board, I think there's still some resistance to the mind body connection and or there's just not an understanding or an education about it for some folks. So sometimes it's a matter of educating people. And we do that. I mean we offer any number of seminars and workshops as a part of our clinic to help people understand much more how effective the integration of working mind-body can be for them. I went to the website for your clinic, and, I mean, it's it's like a spa. Um, I mean, they they offer all sorts of things. Um, And I I guess, and I'm going to play devil's advocate here, Um, gosh, it sure must, you know, I mean, all of those spa things feel good. I mean, people would go to a spa all the time. But is that really treatment? And how how do you know that it is? How do you measure it? Well, I would say, number one, I would say that we would not consider our clinic in any way to be a spa per se. Oh, I, I didn't think mean a spa to, I, I meant that it offers to, so many things that I, I would associate uh-huh. with a wonderful day, you know, uh, of, of relaxation and, and uh, self-care. Uh, I didn't mean to yeah. disparage it. I didn't mean that at no, all. No, no. I I just think that we see our clinic having much more of a medical perspective and I think of spa care as being much more unidimensional. I'm not disparaging spas either. I think they're wonderful. I'd love to go have spa days. Yes, <laughs> because it's it's oriented toward relaxation and calming and you know, just that overall feel good. And I think mm-hmm. at our clinic, you can get some of that. We we can offer massage, for instance, that's more of that orientation. But when folks really engage in the work of our clinic, we are very focused on healing and on health and well-being and helping people be healthier overall in their life. And so... Most of our massage therapists, for instance, are more well-trained in therapeutic massage than, say, spa-type massage. Like we have a therapist who's a massage therapist who's had excellent, excellent training in working with cancer patients. And it's a very specific, unique field. We have a massage therapist who's highly trained in dealing with chronic pain. You know, our acupuncturist, one of them, we have one of the highest success rates in dealing with infertility and helping women become fertile and and become pregnant and have successful pregnancies. Um, we have a top uh, homeopath who works a lot with adults but also sees a lot of children and he's running a five-week seminar now for families so that parents can come and learn how to use homeopathy to 
help their families be healthier. He just worked with a young child the other day who came in with a pretty severe ear infection and was able to come to the remedy and the child, you know, was able to heal from the ear infection. So we're very medically oriented Mm -hmm. versus the, the relaxation, which is very helpful, but we're really oriented toward how to help folks with medical issues. Sure, with and I did and emotional issues. Yeah, um, I just meant that when I go to the doctor's office, I don't usually associate it, you know, with with uh, massage or whatever. Although I have to say that, you know, I, I mentioned off air that I'm going through some medical stuff right now, and I noticed that in in my treatment plan long term, there's they've got massage, they've got all sorts of things in there. Um, so, and of course, I'm going, yippee. <laughs> yes, <laughs> and I think that's the influence. That's the influence that we're seeing. In our oncology um, clinics here in town, both of the major oncology clinics now have massage therapists. They have acupuncturists. They have folks who are, again, coming from the medical perspective that what happens in the mind and the body is directly connected, and we can influence our health through using these other modalities. So I think it's very exciting. Yeah, and it's also interesting to me that you said we can influence our health. I I expressed to you a little earlier about how um, I'm beginning to... And I hesitate to say this, because as soon as I say this, then somebody's going to think that I'm, I'm, I'm... uh, opposed to the benefits of of positive thinking, for lack of a better phrase, and I'm not. I think it really does us all good to think on the positive side. Sometimes, sometimes we have to take moments where or, or days or a weekend or whatever to just focus on the bad stuff and grieve that and mourn that and then move on. Um, I certainly am not an advocate of just sinking into your sorrow, but I do feel that we almost have a tyranny of positive thinking where I, I had a friend who worked in a hospice and she quit after a couple of years and said that it had been too difficult. And I said, I imagine it is, you know, being around people who are dying. And she said, it's not just the difficulty of being around people who are dying. It's the difficulty of seeing them blame themselves for dying. That somehow mm. they didn't write, they didn't think right. They didn't have the right positive thoughts. And Mm -hmm. it seems to me that we have evolved into that, that we hold other people so accountable that, uh, and to me it's almost a way of blaming the victim. Uh, Last I checked, no matter how positive we are, no matter how nice, no matter how wonderful, no matter, we're all going to die, right? I mean, that's just a given. Um, Why, why... And, and is this just my perception? But it seems to me we we almost live in a culture where if something bad happens to you, it's your own fault. You didn't do something mm-hmm. right. Or, you know, mm-hmm. is that just my perception, or do you see that with patients? No, I do see it. I do see it. And and I think it's 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 a misconception that's grown out of what I think was helpful information to start with. And I think you said that before we went on the air even, that, you know, understanding that what happens, what we think, what we believe, does influence what happens in our body, that mind-body connection. Um, The early work in uh, psychoneuroimmunology, that psycho meaning our mind, neuro or our emotion and how we think about things, neuro being our brain, and immunology being how our beliefs impact our brain and our brain then impacts what happens in our immune system. And so it was, it's been real clear through research that our belief system influences what happens in our body through our mind, through our brain. And I think what happened then is people misconstrued that or took it to the extreme, thinking that any thought that I have is going to determine my health and well-being. 
And I think research is much more clear in saying that it's beliefs or thoughts or ideas that we hold over time, that we sustain over a period of time that has an influence on our body. It's not one thought or a few thoughts or, you know, a thought here and there. It's sustained belief systems that influence our body in a way. Even that does not define controlling our body. There's a big difference between influencing what happens in our body and controlling our body. And so being able to work with yourself to bring the influence you want to your body can be very helpful. So one of the things, like, for instance, with cancer patients, there's been a lot of work done on the power of imagery with cancer patients that when you are able to consistently sustain images of what you want to have happen in your body, that your chances of influencing the progress toward health and well-being is, in fact, happening. Um, But having a negative thought now and then is not going to change that course at all because fear and frustration and anger and all of those emotions come up in a very natural way when we're ill or we're facing a a life-threatening illness. Or even, you know, I'm watching my husband, he just had foot surgery, watching him have to deal with being immobilized for a few weeks and how, you know, fear and anger and frustration can come up. But that's not the primary place that he lives or that you want to be. Mm-hmm. Is that Does that make sense, Heather? Am I... Yes, I think that makes sense to me, that um, I, I think that when we're thinking those positive thoughts, I think that the message that we're getting from the popular press or from our friends or whomever is that we just have to paint a pretty picture, and if we believe in the pretty picture, everything all will be well. And that takes me back to the hospice, hospice patients who thought they did everything, and yet here they are with yeah. this devastating illness, and they end up blaming themselves for right. somehow or other not having done it right. And um, so I do. I I completely agree with you that it's important to help people realize that difference between influence and control. Yeah, we're not yeah, that, able to control the the disease process each and every time, no matter how well we use our minds, and. You know, that's one of the things that I do think it's important that we point out to people, that we're not in control. We don't get to control everything, no matter how well we use our minds. Yeah. Well, the other thing I've noticed with the positive thinking is, um, I had a friend say to me about a, a recent illness. She said, well, you have a good attitude. You're going to be just fine. I'm not going to worry about you. Mm. And I'm sure she didn't put a lot of meaning into those words. I mean, I'm sure she didn't construct that. But what I heard from her with that is, oh, so my attitude can make you more comfortable. So now you're released from having to be concerned about me because I'm exhibiting the right attitude. So my attitude is less about me and more about you. Mm-hmm. Now, am I just missing mm-hmm. there, or do you see what I'm saying? No, I think that it, when, you, when you show up with a positive attitude in a really challenging time, I do think it's comforting to other people and can also then diminish how much they're going to be there for you. So I, I think it's important to be able to speak up for that and say, yes, I do have an attitude. And to me, a positive attitude isn't as helpful as I have an attitude that I 
have some ability to influence what happens inside of me. And so I am doing what I am able to to bring that influence to bear. And at the same time, I really want people to be there for me and support me. So I think it's it's important for you to speak up at that time and let people know, especially if they say that, to let them know what you want from them or what would be helpful for you. Yeah. Yeah. I just find it, it it's it's an interesting environment that we live in today um with the whole positivity thing and how does you know knowing you know that this is kind of my little um you know what gets my little blood roaring lately is this whole positive attitude thing where it it because it really does kind of release the the friend or the loved one from thinking about you. It it's like okay, then you're good, you're on track, you're positive. I don't have to spend a lot of time. And then what happens is that if something does take a turn for the worse, well, clearly you must not have thought positively enough, you know. Uh, and so mm-hmm. it does become kind of a, a way to victim blame, I think. But I may be overly sensitive. I may be reading too much into that. What do you think? <laughs> no, I I think that it does happen. I I hear it. I hear it from both folks who are ill as well as from people who are caretaking them. Well, they're just not positive enough or they're not thinking well or, you know, they're not doing that part of the work well enough. And my response continually is what I've said, that we're not in control and we can only be an influence and that it's important to understand that. And I'm hoping that there's even more written about that part so that we take that victimization away um, because I think it's a complete misnomer that we can completely use our minds to influence or to control what happens in our bodies. Yeah, yeah, I think that we, we somehow have shifted toward that, I think, over the last decade or so. Yeah, with that well, in there's mind. Well, there's a real push, there's a real push in psychology in general for positive psychology, which really is different than kind of what we're talking about. So for so many years, the emphasis was on what's broken, what's what's not working, what's, you know, where does disease come from? How do you handle disease process? How do you handle mental health disorders? And the focus was all, all about research on what's wrong and, and how it became wrong. And some of the research now is focused much more on people who are living and thriving and doing really well, and what are they doing that's working so well. And so that shift into what can we do to make our lives better? How can we use our mind and our our physical being and our spirit you know, in the last number of years, there's been more focus on the spiritual side, not necessarily religion so much as it it can be about religion. But when I speak about the spiritual piece, I'm really speaking about our sense of meaning and purpose in life and where that derives from. And like the dialectical behavioral therapy incorporates that kind of question and seeking answers around that in a whole different way than has been true probably except in the last 10 to 15 years. So we're moving more into what makes life worth it in terms of positive psychology. Yeah. And again... Coming back to the whole complementary medicine thing, how does the complementary medicine help us answer that question when we're hurting? Well, you know, I can't speak about complementary medicine per se, just in a general way. I could speak to that question much more in our particular clinic. And the reason I say that is that our clinic is also unique in that we literally are integrated and collaborative. 
And so we meet every other week together as a, as a whole team for patients who want us to, to really individualize their treatment programs. And, and so we talk about the meaning of life and, and how this particular patient that we're working with, how they come to that. So the whole team is focused on more than just their shoulder hurts or they're dealing with fertility issues or this is a person who is walking the journey with cancer. We talk about all of who they are and how that is coming to play in their journey toward health and wellness and how each of us in our own modality can support them in that journey. Okay. So it's truly so, integrated. So you talk about your team, and we're talking about complementary medicine. Maybe we should talk more specifically about what what are these modalities. I, I mean, we talked about massage, but what are some of the complementary modalities that your clinic employs? Okay, we have acupuncturists. We have three different acupuncturists, two women and a man. We have... Um, two folks who really know nutrition well, who work with nutrition, along with one of them is a massage therapist, <clears throat> excuse me, and another one is an acupuncturist. We have uh, a chiropractor in the practice. We have an esthetician who also does reflexology and aromatherapy. Um, what is we have a cranial, pardon me? What I guess I don't an, know. What is an, an esthetician? An esthetician is a person who does facials and, like for instance, for us, she doesn't just do a regular facial. We do what's called an FRA, which is a facial rejuvenation acupuncture. So she does some um, regular facial work, and then one of the acupuncturists comes in and then does acupuncture for the face which increases collagen and just and can work with acne and other things. Um, so, and she also then is well-trained in reflexology. Let's see. And we have, as I said, a classically trained homeopath. Um, Again, can you define that a little bit more for me? Um, homeopathy is has been around for hundreds of years, and... It is defined as like cures like. And homeopathy was developed by a physician, and he developed it by taking substances, animal, mineral, or plant substances, and diluting them down, and then giving that substance to a healthy person who had no symptoms and then watching to see what symptoms would develop as a result of getting that particular substance. And then when a person came into his office who exhibited those symptoms, he would give them that substance and it would heal those symptoms. So like wow. cures like. And it's an extremely well-researched like I said, modality, and it's been around a, a long time. You can buy homeopathic remedies in any of the health food stores almost. But what I see that's particularly beneficial with someone like our classically trained homeopath is that he looks so deeply into all aspects, all facets of a person, and he's able to develop a remedy very specifically designed for them and for their particular issues, whether it's depression or an ear infection. Hmm. Hmm. Okay. So, wow, I, I guess is, I was a, a little naive and didn't realize the extent of, um, you know, these, these different um, treatments. Are there others that you haven't talked to us about yet? 
Well, and I'm learning every day. That's the other part of what I love about being in this particular clinic. We do little seminars for each other at our staff meetings each month, and I am learning so much about every one of the modalities in our office. Um, It's just astounding. We also have a person who does cranial sacral work, and I'm not as facile in speaking about that. (laughs) It's working with the bones and very gentle movements of that. Um, But that's not an area that I feel real competent to to try to describe. Um, Let's see. I think those are the primary ones. Um, Our acupuncturists work with many different um, issues or problems that people would bring in. Mm-hmm. Um, I've certainly heard about acupuncture, um, but some of these others I, I really had not heard about. Um, so thank you for, for explaining those to me. When a person is, and again I want to kind of go back to the psychology because I don't think that there's been as much talk about um selecting or evaluating these complementary uh, modalities with the psychology aspect. Um, so I'm, I'm really kind of interested in learning more about that. How do you decide if a person comes to you, let's go back to our PTSD example, if a person comes mm-hmm. to you with complaints about symptoms of PTSD, how do you decide what is going to be the best, best approach, whether it be a totally traditional approach or whether it be something with the complementary medicines, and how do you decide what complementary medicines are appropriate in each situation? Well, some of that goes back to what we were talking about earlier, how open the person is to using complementary medicine because there is still some resistance to that. And very often, if they are willing to use complementary medicine, they're more willing to use something that's more familiar to start with, like either massage or acupuncture. Now, for some people who have PTSD, one of the ways they show up is with chronic pain because the trauma gets held in our bodies, as I mentioned earlier, and one of the ways it can get held in our bodies is expressed through chronic pain. And so that usually is a pretty easy referral, especially to massage and or to acupuncture. Um, Depending on what other physical symptoms might be showing up, then I can convince them that seeing the massage therapist, for instance, who works a lot with chronic pain but very specific like hip pain or um, I might refer them for reflexology if they're open to that because reflexology can be more, it's also, it's relaxing and helpful in and of itself, but it's very diagnostic. And so if I'm not sure what where things are showing up in their body internally, like in their organs and things, then reflexology can help pinpoint and then and then that can be a good referral to acupuncture. It also helps me work with them with things like imagery or specific work with EMDR, the eye movement piece that we talked about. Um, Or it can help me encourage them. Uh, Sometimes we encourage folks to go back into Western medicine, too. One of my colleagues just had a patient, the acupuncturist just had a patient that she was concerned about their liver function because of what she was seeing from the Chinese medicine perspective sent him off back to his physician, sent him to the ER, and he's now on dialysis, and it hadn't been picked up before. Wow. So, you know, we work collaboratively with folks in Western medicine. We get a lot of referrals from physicians in town. They're one of our most prime referral sources. And then we do collaborate with them. We talk to them. We have a doctor's dinner every about every six months where we bring physicians in and help them understand what we do and develop collaborative 
relationships with physicians in town. That's a very important part of what we do. We work with the oncology departments and the oncology practices in town. Most of most all of the oncologists will refer folks over to us to do the complementary side of medicine. What about the cost of this? How does it compare to regular me- Western medicine? Is it covered by insurance? Um, I mean, I know I've been reading few... from your website that your services are covered, but what about other services? Um, there are a few insurance companies who do cover some of the other complementary care. Acupuncture and chiropractic are the two most common that can get covered. The others, not so. And I take very little insurance, frankly, in my practice now. Um, Most everyone comes in and it's a fee-for-service kind of situation. Mm -hmm. It just depends on what insurance they have. The insurance companies have changed quite dramatically (laughs) in the last few years. So it just depends on what insurance they have and what kind of coverage they have that we yeah. may or may I, not be able to use their insurance. Yeah. Yeah, I I I rue the whole insurance industry right now. It's just a it's just a nightmare uh for for those people who are going through. You know, I I it, it's just I I can't imagine being a young physician being, you know, pushing 30 and being a couple hundred thousand dollars in debt and entering in the world where insurance companies are making the money and not you. I, I don't understand how anybody would be motivated to become a physician, um, quite frankly. Yeah, I think it's a that, challenge. That yeah. that might make another really good show for you because <laughs> I yeah, do think well, it's a I, challenge I think, for know. everyone. It's a challenge for the practitioners, and it's a challenge for all of us as consumers. You know, I'm, I'm on both sides of it. Um, yeah. As a practitioner who takes in some insurance and as a consumer who wants to be able to use my insurance but also understands what it's like on the other side and how insurance companies, you know, limit what they will reimburse and what they will reimburse for. Um, yeah. There's all kinds of issues around that whole piece of being yeah. in practice. That could be I a think whole different the, show. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, and I think that I also have had family members in, in the healthcare industry, and, and I, so I have an empathy, you know, for what's going on right now. And I, quite frankly, I am gobsmacked by how knowledgeable my physician's office is. And no, we can't do this test until two weeks after that test because your insurance won't pay until two weeks right. later. I mean, how do they keep track of all this stuff? I mean, all these niggly little rules and. I, I just I'm in awe that not only do they have to know medicine, but they have to know this. Uh, it, it just really is yeah. stunning um, to me. And that um, is so much more so much more daunting for physicians than it is, say, for me as a psychologist. It's less daunting for me, but there's still so many rules and so many people looking over your shoulder and you know, trying to define what you can and can't do when it comes to insurance. And yeah. so for me as as a, a professional, I have really limited how much insurance, what companies I will take and how much insurance I will take. Yeah. And that's a shame because, I mean, isn't the whole name of the game is to try to help people be healthy and, you know, from a sociological standpoint as well as an individual standpoint, you know, the healthier yes. we are as a community, the better off we are as a community. Um, but, oh, well, there we, there, there we have it. I, and I, would, I, don't... I would say that in our practice that we have worked really hard at keeping our prices as reasonable as possible um, in order to address that as best we can. Well, and, and we you know, still we realize see. that it still limits some folks from coming to see us, and you know we try to work with with all of it as best we can. Sure. Well, and I think that's just kind of where everybody is right now. They're just trying to do the best they can uh, under the circumstances. But um, I don't know. It's daunting, isn't it? It's just daunting. Yes. Um, 
Well, um, we have talked about a lot of things, and I'm looking at the clock. We've got about 10 minutes left. Have I neglected to ask you a question that you think would be important for our listeners to hear the answer to? You know, I don't know that you haven't asked the questions, this question. I just think that I would encourage listeners to think outside the box a little more when it comes to their health care, to consider more of the complementary care practice opportunities that are available to them and use them as a complement to traditional allopathic medicine not as we were talking about earlier, not as an alternative. There are so many ways that complementary care literally is complementary to allopathic medicine. We have many, many physicians in our community who refer to us, and then we work collaboratively with them to enhance people's health and well-being. And we have a lot of physicians who come in for care in our practice. We see a lot of the community, uh, the physicians in our community. And so, so there is a recognition of yeah. the efficacy, of the importance, of the uh, success of combining often complementary care with allopathic care or traditional medical care. Yeah. Well, and I, what I'm hearing from you is that... Um, no longer do you go to a physician or a psychotherapist or whatever and just think, okay, this is where I will go and this is where I will get my help. Um, it sounds right. to me like we need to start thinking more about what are the many components of what could help me. And yeah, Truly mind, going. body, spirit. Truly thinking yeah. about the whole person. And, you know, my position in a complementary care practice is very unique. I'm not I, – I was, as you saw about the article in the Monitor, uh, I think I was put in the Monitor because there are – I don't know of any other – there may be other psychologists who are working in a complementary care practice. In terms of general – practices, medical practices, now you will notice that they offer mental health services often as a part of the practice. They'll have either a social worker or a master's level therapist who's a part of the medical office. And so there's much, much more recognition of mind and body connection and of helping people use their minds to influence what's happening in their body. And so I see that trend just in general in medicine. I think what I'm doing working in a complementary care practice is very unique, but the idea is the same, that it's so important for us to think holistically, to think in terms of mind, body, and spirit. When we're, when we're wanting to be well, or we're wanting to get well, both. I like that. <laughs> and um, I think that one of the, the questions that remains for me is, again, going back to the whole psychology thing, are we finding mainstream psychologists who are open to these complementary modalities, are they more open than the traditional, say, physical medical doctor, or can you make no generalizations, or... Um, let's get back to the psychology component and um, mm -hmm. see how how we're we're whether people who are going to a traditional counselor or a traditional therapist for mental health issues is ma being made aware or being able to see these other modalities. I th I, I'll answer that in two parts. One is there are more mental health workers who are being uh, integrated into traditional medical practices. I, I think that's happening across the country because there is such a, a more clear recognition of the mind-body connection. When it comes to complementary care, the kind of practice I'm in, I think we're still very unique. Um, I'm, not aware, I'm not aware of another practice where a psychologist is fully integrated into a complementary care practice like I am. 
<laughs> did you seek that out, or did it just kind of happen, or? It it kind of happened. I was working with, I was integrated with another physician in town doing some work in his office, and he had an acupuncturist who also was doing some work in his office, and she decided to open Healing Horizons and wanted to be fully integrated and asked me to join that practice. <coughs> And so how long have you been in that practice? I've been in that practice seven years now. Yeah. If you could think of one thing to change about either the perception of complementary health care or the way that it's being integrated, what would it be? One thing I would change. I would just encourage people to be more open to the benefits of complementary care, to the benefits of acupuncture and massage integrated with one another. And I would hope other people who might be listening would think about starting a clinic like we have. Yeah. If people want to learn more uh, about this, about alternative medicine, about complementary care. If they wanted to learn more, is there a particular website? Could they go to your website? Where would they go? Certainly, they could go. They could come to our website to just Google Healing Horizons in Grand Junction, and you will find us. Um, I think our website is excellent. Um, I'm not sure that there's another practice doing exactly what we're doing. So they could always be in touch with us. We would be happy to talk with them. Oh, okay, that's good to know. So either um, myself or uh, Dr. April Schulte Barclay, who is the actual owner of Healing Horizons. Okay, and when we are talking about long-term care, you know, it seems to me we've been talking a little bit about, you know, maybe not so much crisis care, but um, more of a particular problem and that, that you're going to seek help for, uh, help for. But we also talked about a pattern uh, when we were talking about the positive thinking. We were talking about a lifestyle of this. Is there um, uh, complementary treatment for maintaining good health? Absolutely. We our wellness programs that we offer. <clears throat> we have folks who come in on a periodic basis to just have that experience, kind of the tune-up, if you will. Um, And with things like acupuncture, some folks come on a regular basis because it helps maintain their overall health and well-being. I have folks who will come to see me. I am also a certified life coach and through the Hudson Institute. And so I'll have folks who come in to see me periodically over a long period of time kind of for that tune-up of, okay, what what can I do to just improve my life at this point? What's What's not working? Where am I stuck? But it's not like psychotherapy. It's much more coaching, life coaching. You know, psychotherapy is much more about healing wounds, healing things that have happened that's that's older or even new, but it's about woundedness. And life coaching is much more about how do I take what I have and move to the next level. So very often my work transforms from psychotherapy into coaching over time, depending on the person. Yeah. Did that yeah, answer your question? That. It does. It really does. When we're talking about these complimentary, uh, this complementary care, and I want to go back again to, you know, some of the psychic damage that, that we experience just through living our lives, um, when, is a time, when is a time to start seeking kind of maintenance care for yourself? Okay, ask that again. I'm not sure I quite understood the question. Okay. Um, I guess what I'm saying is, when do we go? Do we wait until there's a problem? Do we wait until, um, you know, we're, we're, we're facing a real health issue? Or is, is it the kind of thing where you can just call up and say, you know what, I think I need to 
figure out where I'm at, whether I need to make adjustments in my life. Where where do we start reaching out? <laughs> Boy, I have to say, Heather, I see people in every one of those possibilities <laughs> who come okay. in to see me. Some folks come in because they've hit a crisis point and it's like I can no longer put off whatever I've been putting off. Some people come in and say, you know, I really, I, I'm just feeling a little stuck in my life. There's nothing major, but I'm having, I'm having a hard time seeing the forest for the trees, that kind of idea. Can we just talk things through and sort of sort things through? And, you know, that's where some of the coaching kinds of work comes in. Um, and, and so people come in with all kinds of different agendas from I'm, I'm having a serious mental health crisis in my life and maybe they've had a major diagnosis of bipolar disorder or something that they're coming in or they, they're suffering from pretty significant, um, symptoms of post-traumatic stress disorder of the PTSD, from one direction wow. or well, another. Paula, I'm going to have to someone... cut you off here because we are out of time. Um, but boy, okay. I sure enjoyed talking with you, and I really appreciate you being with us. So thank you so much for joining us, Three Women, Three Ways. We'll see you next week with another show. Thank you, Heather. Thank you. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.